Blog Talk Radio. Kingway, Fox, Beardlock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempak's cat, you has had enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. With that incredibly awesome song, which I happen to love, that means it's time for another episode of Trek Talk. And I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And boy, have we got a great, great show packed with lots of Trek talking tonight. I want to remind you that if you missed last week's show, go back and give it a listen. Jeremy Roberts was on with us, and he was fantastic. So please check that out. I think you'll enjoy it. This week, we're going to be talking about the brand new Luna McCormick Star Trek Discovery book, Wonderlands. We're going to get to that just a little bit later on. But first, we have a lot of great stuff to cover. So I want to introduce my Trek experts. We'll start off with Charles. He's out in Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. <coughs> well, it's a little calm for today. It hit 106, but the monsoons are going to be due back tonight. we got a couple more days of storms coming through before we get to calm down again. But hopefully it'll warm up for you by the time you get here. It's pouring, pouring rain here, so we'll see what happens. And we also have with us as well our my other Trek spurt. Eric, he's out in Portland. How you doing, Eric? I am doing really good. Charles, did you just say you're hoping it will warm up for Jim for when he gets there and you're at 106 right now? <laughs> well, it's, it's going to go down for a couple of days and then go back up. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. Uh, we're looking yeah. for a couple of days. We're looking for a couple of days, at least two or three days in the 90s, high 90s with humidity. So a nice, cool temperature for you. We're in the middle of what we call a heat wave in the northwest. Uh, We've got about 95 or so outside right now. It's supposed to hit uh, almost triple digits tomorrow. So we'll have to see. But I got to admit, the sky is blue, and there is a light breeze outside. So if you can stand the heat, uh, it's pretty nice. And uh, I'm so excited about this book, you guys. So much good stuff to talk about. It's a good one. So listen, guys, you can find us on Facebook at Trek Talking and Beyond. That's A-N-D. Spell that all out, and you can find us there. And we have 58,693 followers there, and we'd like to add you to that list. So get over there. Give us a like. Give us a follow. We'd really appreciate it. If you missed last week's show and you want to listen to it, you can find that at blogtalkradio.com backslash Trek Talking. You'll see all of our podcasts there, including that one. Please go over there. Check it out. Have a great time. Next week, we're going to be talking about oh, Star Trek Generations. Yeah, exactly. And right now, 
I have an opportunity for you guys. I'm holding in my hand, and you got to be listening live. That's the catch. I'm holding in my hand right here a copy of Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Star Trek Discovery Season 3 is coming. It is on currently on DVD and limited edition Steelbox. This must-have collection features all 13 episodes and also includes over two hours of special features, including deleted scenes, behind-the-scenes featurettes, cast interviews, and a gag reel. Own Star Trek Discovery Season 3 on Blu-ray and DVD now from CBS and Paramount Home Entertainment. Or you can call 646-668-2433 and win it. Now, what, what, that number sounds familiar, guys, doesn't it? I believe that that is our number, and it has been our number for many, many years. That's right. So if you guys want to well, call at any point. Stuff. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. That, that is our phone number, period. That's um, true. If you want to call during the show, the first person that calls me at any time during the show will win that. And just to wet your whistle a little bit, there's a deleted scene on this DVD from Terraforma Part 1. And uh, you're going to hear the audio, but if you call and win the DVD, you can put it in your TV and actually watch it. So here's a deleted scene from Star Trek Discovery Season 3, the episode Terra Firma Part 1. What is that? Danis 5, an uninhabited M-class planet. Every time we queried the sphere data for a treatment, no matter how we entered it, it gave us the same result. What's there? I have no idea. But according to the computer's metadata analysis of probabilities, Giorgio has a 5% chance of survival if we take her there. Zero if we don't. Well, if there's a chance at all, we have to take it. You? I don't know how this is going to work. I keep telling her to trust me, trust me, we're going to fix this, but... Even here, there are mysteries in the universe yet to be solved. You're fighting for her with everything you've got. And I thank you. And she knows. You need to get her to wear this. The bioscanner, it'll monitor her condition, alert her when an attack is coming. It'll also let her know when she's dying, when the last bar goes red. Wow, some good stuff there. Please give us a call, 646-668-2433, and I will drop this in the mail to you, and you can be watching Star Trek Discovery Season 3 in the comfort of your own home. That's right. Give us a call, and you can win. All right. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming. All right, guys. So we always start off the show with going around the globe by the numbers. And uh, we have some, some changes this week, don't we, Eric? We have some big changes, Jim, and we'll have to see if they persist into next week or if this is some sort of data glitch. But uh, one way or another, we have a new number one uh, international listener this week. That's right. Canada is on top of everybody with 6.10% of our listeners. So that is pretty cool that our brothers and sisters to the north uh, 
you know, all but disappeared about a year ago, and they have steadily climbed their way back, and here they are on top of the pile. So that is super-duper cool. But the real anomaly is the U.K. dropping to number two, but not with six-something percent. The U.K. is sporting 4.63% of our listeners this week. So uh, you tell me, U.K., was there a mass exodus, or did we just happen to have some sort of weird anomaly happen here? Still. We appreciate every single one of our listeners in the UK and appreciate that you are in our top two. That's amazing. And you were number one for, uh, we should have kept track, but it was maybe eight or nine months. That's me guessing. But thank you so much, folks from both Canada and the UK. In our number three spot, holding steady is Australia with 4.47% of our listeners. And in that number four spot, we have Ireland with 1.85% of our listeners. And holding steady in that number five spot. Uh, They've had just about the same percentage points for many weeks in a row. Uh, Our brothers and sisters in Scandinavia, Norway, with 1.64% of our listeners. So thank you so much to the 75% of our listeners who come from the U.S. and to the 25% that are distributed throughout these countries and many, many more. Uh, As you can see on our Facebook, people come from all over the place and listen to our podcast and – That just means so much to us. We send our love out to every single country out there in the world. And, you know, after watch, Canada was number one for the longest time. And then they slowly dropped and dropped and dropped. And I was concerned that they were going to fall off the top completely. But not only did they not fall off, but now they climbed right back up to the top again. So that's pretty awesome, I think. Pretty awesome. But UK, we got to pump up our UK numbers again. Uh, they were almost 7% at one time, if I remember correctly. I figure, I figure there was just some, uh, you know, UK holiday that we're unaware of, and they just all uh, didn't listen to podcasts that week. Or maybe they're <laughs> watching the Olympics, you know. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. But but we don't only do global, guys. We also go by city. And uh, we've had, we have a shakeup in our, in our top uh, cities, and we may have another shakeup again. Next week, it's getting pretty tight in here. So, Charles, what's going on with our top cities this week? Well, our three outside the top ten is staying pretty steady. Shannon, who's near Indianapolis, Indiana, still 32nd. Portland, Oregon dropped one spot from 23rd down to 22nd. And Las Vegas is still staying steady at 16. But the real news is the top ten. Last week, and for many weeks, San Pablo, San Pablo, Brazil was number ten. They are no longer tenth. Houston, Texas has taken over the tenth spot. Wow. And not only that, but Brisbane, Queens, Australia was eighth last week. They got bumped to ninth. Why? Because San Antonio, Texas went from ninth to eighth. We're thinking, oh, yeah, there was that fight up there in the upper part of top ten, and that was it. No, we got some other things going on this week. Chicago was still seven. <clears throat> Toronto and Turkanda still six. Los Angeles, California, home of Andy, is still in fifth. But 
last week's third place is now this week's fourth place. Sydney, New South Wales, Australia is now fourth. Why? Because Melbourne, Victoria, Australia now is third. They are now fighting for their position. Then our last two, London, UK, and New York City, are all there. Jim tells me we may see a shakeup at the top of number 10 again next week. So we're yeah, going to we... see. There are some battles on numbers this week. Australia's bouncing around. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sao Paulo, Brazil, bounces Texas back out again. They're battling it out, but we'll have to wait and see what happens next week. There could be some more shakeups. We'll have to wait and see. But, guys, we also want to give individual fan shout-outs to each and every one of you. That's right. That dude in Australia, I'm talking to you, individual people. And if you'd like an individual shout-out, just head over to our Facebook page. You'll see the Live Long and Prosper at the top. And just stop to say hello and tell us where you're listening from every week. Yours truly, Uncle Jim, will pick 15 lucky listeners. If you see a heart next to your name from Truck Talking, that means that you've been chosen and you want to tune into the next podcast to hear your name called out to the whole wide world. So, Eric, who are we saying hello and thank you to this week? Wow, so many people from around the world supporting us today, Jim. Our very first fan shout-out goes out to Luis Fernando Ramos in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Uh, one of those places I've always wanted to go, and we've got a few listeners there. So, Luis Fernando Ramos, thank you so much for listening to us, and kapla to you. We're saying hello this week to Pushpa B. Sarah Heron, and I hope that I have not massacred your name. Thank you very much for listening to us. You are from Chennai, India. And that was a place that I didn't know where it was, and I looked it up, and it's kind of down on the southeast coast of India, uh, right down there on the Bay of Bengal. So, very cool. Thank you so much for listening to us, Pushpa. Top fan, Frauk Lorenz from Germany. That sounds like a German name, but they also say Dominican Republic. So, I think that there might be some interesting uh, stories and uh, splits of family there. So, uh, Frauk Lorenz from Germany and Dominican Republic, thank you for listening to us today. We're saying hello today also to Robert Evans, born in Swansea, Wales, but living in Bilbao in the Basque Country. That is such a nice area from what I understand. I have not been there myself. Thank you, Robert Evans, for listening to us. And my last shout-out this week goes to somebody who I think is perhaps using an Internet name or I'm going to completely massacre their name, but I'm going to say it's Allside X Pufo somewhere southwest of Milan, Italy, in the middle of rice fields. That's so interesting to me. I don't think of rice fields when I think of Italy, but sure enough, uh, it's in some of the dishes. So there you go. Uh, all side, thank you very, very much for listening to us. Charles, who you got on your list this week? Well, let's start off with Wendy Bruce in one of our top cities, Queensland, Australia. John Philip Carter. Grew up in western Kansas, but now lives in the U.K. Jennifer Luke lives in Victoria, Australia, another one of our top cities. Then we got top fan, Sean McCafferty from South Wales, U.K. 
And finally, Joe, uh, Jose Hernandez in North Spain. Ah, uh, I wonder. Jim, got somebody in New York? Yeah, can you believe that? I, I, I'm shocked myself. So we'd like to say hello, thank you, and kapla. Um, oh, my glasses. i got to enlarge this because I'm old and I can't read it. Um, we'd like to say hello and thank you to Gail Sherrington Ruvalo from upstate New York, not New York City. And that's that's very distinguishing because anytime you tell someone you're from New York, they think New York City. But New York City is such a small sliver, tiny, tiny sliver of New York. So she specifies upstate New York, which is where I'm actually from. So thank you for listening to Gail. And, of course... Now we want to say hello and thank you to Diane Diaz, who's originally from New York City, but now lives in upstate New York. So there you have two two upstaters. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. And, you know, Jim, that's not unlike where I grew up. I grew up in Illinois, and when you grow up in Illinois, people say, what part of Chicago are you from? And I say, there are other parts of Illinois, believe it or not. When I was doing Star Trek conventions and I tried to book an actor, the first thing they would tell me is they want to fly into JFK. And I'm like, well, how are you going to get from JFK? How are you going to get up here if you're all the way down there? I was going to fly you into Albany, but you want to fly into JFK? It's up to you. Uh, New York is all the same. (laughs) It's all the same. Don't matter. All right. I'd also like to say hello, thank you, and kapla. To Bob Burnett from Boston and its Trekkers. Likewise, Peggy Bryce says, we like to say happy, 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 happy to have Peggy Bryce Brown along. And she's from Omaha and says, no, it's Trekkies. So what do you guys think? Is it Trekkies or is it Trekkers? Hmm. I think it is definitely definitely both. I think that is something that we have seen is throughout Trekdom, you can use either one and it's all good. Yep, I I prefer I I was was born a Trekkie, grew up a Trekkie. Trekkers was a term that was introduced after the fact, but um, Trekkies Trekkers doesn't matter to me. But but I like to be classic with Trekkie. So you know, both Bob and Peggy are both correct. And last mm-hmm. but not least, I would like to say thank you, Kapla, and live long and prosper, to Lee Dolphin from Sydney, Australia. Good eye, mate. And so thank you for listening to us. So that is our fan shout outs, which means, wait, before I do that, before I do that, okay, that's cool. It's time for our birthdays. And for that, we have to play the birthday song. was not a Klingon song. You know, he says that every week. That's okay. We love it anyways. And we always like to start off our Star Trek birthdays remembering those members of our Star Trek family who are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, and our uh, very first remembrance this week goes out to uh, someone from the TOS era, era uh, Celia Lovsky. Uh, you would actually know this character pretty well, but she only shows up, I think, once. Uh, and she plays the character of T'Pau in Amok Time. 
Uh, Jim, why is Tapau a significant Vulcan? She sounds like she might be related to another significant Vulcan that we all know. Hmm. But I, I wonder. I don't Perhaps. think it's Spock. It's not Spock. <laughs> huh. Cyborg, we'll, maybe? No. We'll leave uh. our listeners hanging with that. But uh, Celia Lovsky would have had a birthday this week, and we do miss her very much because the Pow is a classic character from TOS, uh, very recognizable, and uh, we do miss her. She did a great job with that role. Uh, we're also saying happy and, birthday. And I want to add, yeah. though, that yeah. the the other actress that played that part, yes. and I'm not going to tell you guys, you're going to have to Google it yourself and find out, but the other actress that played that part, I think, did a really good job with it as well. I would agree. I would absolutely agree. Uh, yep. Yep. Both, both actresses uh, playing a key role in Star Trek who just kind of, like, steps in and, you know, makes a little bit of noise and story kind of continues. So, anyway. Celia Lovsky, uh, great to pal. Uh, we're also saying happy birthday this week uh, to another lost friend. Perry Lopez played Lieutenant Esteban Rodriguez in the TOS episode Shore Leave. Uh, definitely one of those guys who kind of just shows up uh, one time. You would recognize him. He's a scientist. Uh, wears the blue shirt. So happy birthday to Perry Lopez. We're also Thank God it was a, was a blue shirt, not a red I, shirt, or he would well, have got shot true. by that Japanese zero. <laughs> and I was gonna, I was gonna say something about him not dying in that episode. Yeah, because of that, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was no red shirt issues that early in TOS. Uh, yeah, I guess that is true. Uh, it, yeah. it happened a little bit more prolifically uh, later on. Uh, well, uh, we'll continue on. We're saying happy birthday this week to another lost friend, Phyllis Douglas, uh, who played Yeoman Mears in the TOS episode, uh, The Galileo 7. Uh, I love that episode personally. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, Yeoman Mears, Phyllis Douglas, happy birthday to you. Uh, happy birthday and remembrances going out to Pilar Serrat who played Saibo in the TOS episode Wolf in the Fold. Uh, man, we are just... Uh, Packing them full of great episodes today. Uh, lots of July birthdays with great actors from the TOS era. So uh, happy birthday to Pilar. We're also saying happy birthday and sending our love out to Celeste Yarnall, who played Martha London in the TOS episode The Apple. Happy birthday to Jacqueline Brooks, who played Admiral Brand in the TNG episode First Duty. Uh, uh, Jim, as admirals go, how was Admiral Brand? You know, well, she was doing her job because Wesley and Tom Paris. Oh, well, he wasn't Tom Paris, but uh, no, Robert Duncan Paris. McNeil. Yeah, yeah free Tom <laughs> Paris. They they were lying. They 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 did a bad thing, <laughs> and they got caught. I, I totally totally agree. She was doing her duty, and uh, you know what? It eventually comes around, and uh, they find all all. Uh, they all find out about it, and she is pretty suspicious through the end of that episode in particular. Everybody kind of knows what the jig is up, but uh, it isn't until uh, Wesley's actual admission that things kind of turn around. So, Jacqueline Brooks, uh, thank you for being one of the admirals that we do not hate in Starfleet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Happy birthday to uh, Bruce Warren, uh, Warson, who played Crewman Green and also played a salt creature in TOS's episode, The Man Trap. How about that? That is a pretty cool dual uh, billing there for Star Trek. I like that. Uh, we're saying happy birthday to Biff Elliott, who played Schmitter in TOS's Devil in the Dark, another episode that I just absolutely love. I know, I know, it looks like a moving carpet, but that's not the point. The point is what the episode's all about, and it's so good. So happy birthday to Biff Elliott. And finally, uh, on our remembrance list, we had quite a few this week. Uh, we're saying happy birthday and sending our love out to Ben Slack who played the Klingon Katal in TNG's episode Redemption Part 2. So happy Kapla. birthday to Kapla. Kapla to the Klingon and to all of the people uh, who have gone before us in our Star Trek family. And now we shall celebrate. Oh, yeah. It's, go ahead, Jim. it's time for us to take our first commercial break, so don't touch that dial. Don't go anywhere. We still have a lot of Klingon, or a lot of birthdays to go through, and a lot of fun. <laughs> We're going to be right back after we hear this very important message from my friend TJ. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Freakopolis Geekery, the premier upstate New York comics and game shop. Centrally located between Saratoga Glens Falls, Ticonderoga, and Rutland, Vermont, the Geekery is a haven for pop culture and science fiction fans. For Star Trek fans, the Geekery features board games like Ascendancy, as well as awesome gaming titles like Star Trek Adventures RPG from Modiphius, Star Trek Away Team Zero Clicks, and of course, Star Trek Attack Wing Ship-to-Ship Tactical Combat for the Tabletop. The Geekery hosts casual play sessions, learn-to-play sessions, and sanctioned organized play tournaments with limited edition prize support. You'll also find comics and trade paperbacks at Freakopolis, including Star Trek titles from IDW. Lots of issues are in stock, and special orders are no problem. Whether you visit in person by shuttlecraft or beam in online to Freakopolis.com, you'll find yourself right at home at the Freakopolis Geekery. And we're back, and we're continuing with our Star Trek birthdays. Who's on your list, Charles? Well, let's start out with Catherine Hayes, who played the character Jem in its U.S. episode, The Empath. <clears throat> And we have I-Man, who played Marta in Star Trek VI. And this is an interesting one. Jessica and Vanessa Sova, who both played Alexandria in TNG's episode When the Bow Breaks. It's actually a pair of twins, and you'd always spend a little bit of time on screen, so they actually split up between two twins. Fascinating. John Putt <clears throat> played Mordock in TNG's episode Coming of Age and TNG's episode Matter of Honor. Jim Jensen played the Temporal Investigation lushly in DS9's episode Trials and Tribulations. Where we actually started, we actually found out there is a temporal investigation team for out there changing the past or the future. Loki stole it. Excuse me. <clears throat> yes, it was Loki's fault. <laughs> Paul Collins played 
Lango in DS, DS9 battle line. Michael Welch plays Armin in Star Trek Insurrection. And I'm surprised I got this first day, even though somebody wanted to make me say the wrong character. <laughs> but happy birthday to the person, <clears throat> the character from, originally we first met him in Stand By Me, had a lot of great work in the TNG series, Ready Room, uh, Big Bang series, a big, warm, happy birthday. For Wheaton. I feel like I feel like he's the guy that if we got him on the show, I might just hang up my headphones. That might be it. I might just like, you know, uh, he's so cool. You know, he's so cool. I gotta tell That's- you guys, I th- I think I told this story last year. I'm gonna tell it again because it's a great story and I love it. Will Wheaton is the coolest dude ever, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because back when I was running Star Trek conventions, how am I going to tell this story? Um, okay, there's another convention company whose name shall not be mentioned, who was very nasty and was stealing all of my guest stars from me to the point where I didn't have any people to come to my convention. So I'm sitting in my living room and my phone rings. And my wife answers it and says, oh, it's Will Wheaton. And I pick up the phone thinking it was my friend John fooling around me, and it was Will Wheaton. And he said that he saw a flyer on Michael Dorn's desk for my convention (laughs) and that he wants to stick it to the man, this other company whose name shall not be mentioned, and he was willing to come to my convention. And I was like, are you kidding me? And he says, no. And I talked to him on the phone for a couple of minutes. He was so cool. And he showed up at my convention with his brother he went to all the room parties, sat in the lobby, signed autographs for the fans, went to the dance party, came to the costume contest. Will Wheaton was just the coolest ever, and I love him. And anytime I hear people ragging on him or even always saying, shut up, Wesley, and all the posts, <sighs> you know, I always oh. slap them down because Will Wheaton was, without a doubt, the most classic he was a classy guy. In fact, when I picked him up in, in, in the limousine, he jumps in the limo. And the first thing he, this is right when Deep Space Nine had come out. We jump in the limo and we're, we're driving away. And he says, so what do you guys think about Dr. Bashir? I think he's a giant gland. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to like this guy. I'm going <laughs> to like him. And all the way back in the, in the limo, we just sat there talking about Star Trek, like we're doing right now with Will Wheaton. He was just such a relatable, fun, easy person to talk to. I love Will Wheaton. So happy birthday, Will. Well, I've got, I have a suggestion for my co-host and anybody out there. Go download Date McFadden's Investigation and go listen to the two-part episode she interviews Will Wheaton. Oh, she and Will have such the greatest interview. Uh, you get to learn. You get. You're going to respect Will a lot more because we didn't realize how how poorly he was being treated by his family, and that he talked about the TNG people being his family. 
you hear his stories and you realize why. Cool. Yeah, I, I would love to get him on this podcast. He would be so much fun. Uh, and I'd like to see if he re- even remembers calling me. I, I'd be curious. But anyway, happy birthday to Will Wheaton. All right, guys, I've got a couple of birthdays to go, go over before we're going to get down to some really good, good, good stuff. So first of all, we'd like to say happy birthday to Dietrich Emerson, who played Lieutenant Watley in the DS9 episode Trials and Tribulations. And Joe Ball in the TNG episode, Captain's Holiday. You definitely remember her because she's the one that got on the turbo lift with Dr. Bashir and wanted a private checkup. And Dr. Mm-hmm. Bashir was like, well, it could be a predestined orthodox. If I don't meet with her, I might never be born. And him and, and O'Brien have that big argument on the turbo lift. It's, it was funny. But she's also the person on Riza that, that hands Captain Picard. I'm going to... The Jamaharon, Ma Jaron, Jamaharon. Yeah. Yeah, that. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the statue of uh, prolification. <laughs> so, happy mm-hmm. birthday to Deetra. Um, this, this next one is, is kind of cool for me. We'd like to say happy birthday to Chris Sarandon. Uh, we're going to say happy birthday to him because he played Mazar in the DS9 episode Rivals. He opened up a bar on the promenade across from Cork. But for me, Personally, um, I remember him as the vampire in Fright Night. But oh, yeah. he's been in so much, um, you know, he was in that, but he also um, was the voice in uh, Christmas, uh, uh, Jack Skellington as, mm-hmm. as well. Yes. Yes, and let's is. not forget that, that it's inconceivable that we don't mention <laughs> him in another movie, <laughs> which it That's took me right. 25 years to see, <laughs> by the way. Princess Bride, and he's just been in so much great stuff. So happy birthday to Chris Sarandon. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Boris Lee. I gotta blow this up. I can't read these. It sucks to get old. Boris Lee Kruntong. Kruntong. I think it's Krutnog. Krutnog. Yeah. And this is interesting because he played Lieutenant Commander Lejeune in Star Trek: Six: The Undiscovered Country and Voyager: Flashback. It'd be great to get him and Jeremy together on a podcast. That would be fun. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would have some stories, and um, and I could talk to him about his Star Trek Attack Wing card, which I also like. You can disable him instead of a weapon. There you go. It'd be cool. Cool. I'll have to see if I can track (laughs) him down. We'd also like to say happy birthday to D. Young, who played Arissa in the DS9 episode Simple Investigations. She played Kayla in the Enterprise episode, Two Days and Two Nights. And she played Hannah Bates in the TNG episode, Masterpiece Society. Happy birthday to Dee Young. Uh, we'd like to say happy birthday to Chris Williams, who played Talaka Talan in the DS9 episode, Jem Hadar. But a lot of people might know him for his other role as Black Lightning in the uh, TV show, Black Lightning, which I don't think is on anymore. Um, uh, nope, but definitely think, still available on Netflix and definitely still a very cool show that you should check out. And Talactalon came in the Cardassian pack, and he's also a really cool Star Trek Attack Wing card. <laughs> now, I've got some really good ones to wrap up the here. The, the, speaking of bad guys and speaking of Robocop, we want to say happy birthday to Ronnie Cox. Now, he always plays bad guys. 
and he played Captain Edward Jellicoe in the TNG episode Chain of Command. I don't know if I would call him a bad guy, but we didn't like him. <laughs> That's for nope. sure. But he did. Not he is the reason. Mm-hmm. He is the reason why Deanna Troy wears an actual uniform and not the mini skirt thing anymore was because of him. So that's pretty cool. But not only did he play the bad guy in RoboCop, he played the bad guy in Total Recall, another one of my favorite movies growing up. But I think he played the ultimate non-bad guy in one of the biggest movies that I think he starred in, and that was Beverly Hills Cop, where he played Captain Bogomil in Beverly Hills Cop Part 1 and Part 2. So happy birthday to Ronnie Cox. Now, I always do the Klingon, and I always do them last. So um, these are gonna might seem out of order to you guys, but that's okay. We'd like to say a huge happy birthday to the, the person that got me involved in Deep Space Nine because I love her character so much. Anytime they introduce a character on Star Trek that's out of the norm, um, I love Denise Crosby when they made her the security chief and then they killed her off. Uh, fortunately, though, they did not kill off Major Kara uh, Nerys, played by Nana Visitor, on Deep Space Nine, because I loved her so much. And so I'd like to say happy birthday to Nana Visitor. And you might be thinking, well, these are a little bit out of order, but that's because I do the Klingons last. So we'd like to say a huge, and not only a Klingon, but well, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, we'd like to say happy birthday to a character, uh, Sinjin Talbert from Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, which is one of my personal favorite Star Trek movies. I know a lot of you guys out there hate that movie. Not me. Uh, he also played Gorkhan in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. He played Gal Madrid in Deep Space Nine. But on a personal note for me, he played Stark in the movie Tron which was the first movie that I took my girlfriend, now wife, to see, believe it or not. And she still married me. Figure that one out. <laughs> we went to not see Tron. I'm telling you, she hated the movie, still hates it to this day. And every once in a while, I'll pull it out and say, come on, let's, let's watch Tron. And, and she hates it. But she still married me, even though she hated the movie. And, of course, we're talking about David Warner. So happy birthday to David Warner. That wraps up all of our birthdays, guys. That brings us to Star Trek news. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. All right. Before we dive into Star Trek news, though, uh, we have someone on the line with us right now, and I, I will let Charles introduce this person. And, uh, yeah, we have some more to talk about. So, Charles, take it away. Well, since I know he's on the line, come on and join us, Chris. Chris is the operations officer currently of the USS Windrunner. Hello, guys. Um, so, yeah, I'm Chris Solomon. Um, I am the operations officer on the USS Windrunner. We are a Las Vegas-based chapter 
of Star Trek The Fleet. We are a Star Trek costuming slash charity slash fandom group. And uh, we we have two events coming up where we be we will be raffling off three pairs of tickets to three lucky winners. And so the first one will be at War Room Games on Saturday, July 31st at 3 p.m. Um, War Room Games address is 2560 East Sunset Road, Unit 110. And that will be on this Saturday. And then on August 7th, we will have another giveaway of three pairs of tickets to three lucky winners at Main Street Peddlers Antique Mall. And that will be uh, at 1400 South Main Street, uh, right here in Las Vegas, and that will start at 10 a.m. So we are looking forward to seeing the public and being able to do this giveaway. Excellent. And what, what, is, what exactly are you giving away tickets for, Chris? These tickets will be going, giving you a pretty awesome deal going to the Star Trek Las Vegas convention, the 55-year celebration um, of Star Trek over here at the Las Vegas Rio. Excellent. Excellent. Sounds like a lot of fun. Let me ask you, Chris, what do you cosplay as when you go out in the public? I cosplay as just good old Chris. And Uncle Charles knows this. I am the operations officer, so I'm wearing operations gold. And uh, I I serve at the pleasure of our captain, David McClinton. And, um, you know, we we, we always are out. We're in public. The public is always having a chance to see us. And uh, we just have a grand old time doing it. It's just amazing. Now, see, I dress up as a Klingon, and I wave my bat lift around, and people always want to come up and touch it. And I'm more than happy to let people touch my bat lift because, you know, what good is a Klingon if you can't touch his bat lift? So I, I <laughs> know what you're talking about, and uh, I enjoy it immensely going out in public as a Klingon. So I know where you're coming from. Actually, with the fleet. There are several different ships and several different eras. Our ship actually specifically runs the Admiral Picard era. During those flashbacks. uniform we normally wear. But several of the other ships in California actually have different eras and they have different areas, different time periods they wear their uniforms in. Yeah, I um, I have a gold. Captain Picard uniform that um, that I wear when I don't feel like putting on all my Klingon battle armor. I got that one because Warp wore gold, so I kind of transitioned to that uniform. So I still wave my bat lift around, and I got my Klingon stash. But when I don't want to put on all that heavy battle armor, that's what I wear, too. So that's pretty cool. So, guys, guys, I don't know if you uh, caught it or not, but... Uh, there was a virtual panel on Star Trek Prodigy yesterday. Did anyone catch it by chance? Huh, I wonder. Yeah, because I watched it. Uh, well, I just watched it before the show here because I wanted to get some information from it so we could share it with you guys. And they released a teaser trailer. And I'm going to play that for you guys right now. And we're going to talk a little bit about prodigy and what we think about it and you're welcome to join in with us if you'd like to as well chris okay so here it is the prodigy teaser trailer no one shall escape i'm getting out of here to a better life 
you're the only one who still thinks he can. What will happen if they catch us? Like it or not, you're stuck with me. I tried to save you, and now we can save each other. What is all of this? Our ticket out of here. We've only just begun. There are a lot more stars than I thought. Okay, so let me start off by saying, right off the bat, they played the Star Trek music. All right, so right off the bat, <laughs> I'm, I'm pulled right in. Okay, uh, anytime they use the way they use music is very important. And when I when I heard that, I was like, wow, that's that's pulling you right in, because we have to remember, this is aimed at a younger audience. Um, so that's really cool because you want to introduce them to this when they're young, you know. You got to brainwash them when they're young, <laughs> so uh, that that's that's really cool. But more than that, I was concerned because we hadn't seen anything other than stills. We had that's the first time we actually saw what the animation would look like. It's completely different than Lower Decks. Lower Decks is more of a a Scooby Doo Saturday morning cartoon type of animation. Whereas this is more of um, of a CGI type of thing, like uh, like a like a Shrek maybe type of thing. Yeah, you know, totally it different. Kinda, it reminds me if you're and you may not have seen this show, but if you're familiar with the series Three Below, it actually has a very similar style to that. It's a little bit um, stylized and not. It's definitely not realistic, but it's not like a Pixar sort of look either. No, it's it's. I was very impressed with it. I watched the panel that Jerry O'Connell hosted, and there there there's one part that's really funny where where Ethan Peck and his wife Rebecca Romaine come in, and he says, "Oh, they're filming this other Star Trek show, Strange New World," and he just throws them out of the room, which I thought was hilarious. But um, to see each one of the characters, actors, and then the characters and how they match up the voices to the characters. The one that I was really impressed with was the the Rock Rock Kamang, uh, mm-hmm. what was his name? Tak Raman, the Rock Man, and mm-hmm. to find out that the Rock Man was played by is played by a ten year old girl, and I was like, that's pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> that's pretty and cool. Uh, the Medusin, um, I, I, I the, the hate is flowing for the show already. I've been on on Facebook on social media blasting people for hating the show already. We haven't even seen it. They're already hating it because it breaks canon, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, uh, we don't know anything about uh, Medusans. We never actually saw – we don't really know anything about a Medusan. There was a Medusan in a box. That's all we know about them, really, right? What yeah. else do we know about yep. them? Yep. So, we saw them a little bit in TOS in one episode, and that was it. That That's was right. it. So, and they're um, an interesting character. Yeah, so I, I don't have a problem with a Medusa wearing a, a robotic-type suit. In fact, I'm really intrigued to see where they go with it. And, um, you know, the characters, they look different. Like, um, the Tellarite doesn't really look like the Tellarites we're used to seeing. But that's okay. This is animation, and you're, you're, you're after a younger audience. So 
I'm not going to sit there and, and, and pick it apart. It's not live action. It looks really intriguing to me. And if they can pull it off, I'm thinking Shrek. They can pull it off like Shrek. I think it'll be a great show. What, what do you guys think? Chris, what do you think? Did you see it? I did see it. And, you know, I know about a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the hate that goes on with new Shrek stuff. I'm 22 years old. I I cannot be more happy to be a Trekkie in 2021 with all of this stuff coming out, especially um, a show like that's oriented towards kids. Like it is, it's amazing that we're even finding the new generation and catering to the new generation of Trekkies. It's cool. I I agree completely. I I, I said the same thing when they the Kelvin timeline movies came out. Uh, like my daughter, she's 26, and her friends never saw Star. Well, my daughter did, but her friends didn't, and they all went to see the Kelvin movies, and they weren't even aware that Khan existed, and that there was a Wrath of Khan movie that was based on the TV show from the. They didn't even know any of this. So, anytime something like this can get new people into Star Trek, I'm all for it. So, what, what about you, Eric? What do you think? Oh, well, you know, I've been really, really excited about this show since they first announced it. I think it's about time that they've got a Trek that targets a younger audience. I thought this um, trailer was really cool in that it had a softer tone to it. It had a little bit of peril at the beginning, you know, there's kind of like a little bit of danger set up. But then the rest of it is kind of showing off these really friendly looking creatures and showing um, positive interactions between the different characters on the show. So I, for one, um, am very excited for this show because I think it's targeting an audience that we really need to target with this franchise, or, or it's a, I shouldn't say need, but what I should say is it's an unrealized opportunity if they don't, because um, I think that Trek teaches really good values, and, you know, I, I sort of was old enough and learned a lot of my values from TNG after I was already an adult. Um, and it would be cool to kind of introduce that uh, to the younger generation. And these characters just look great. I mean, there's so much variety, so much uh, representation, like you were saying, um, Gwyn, or excuse me, not Gwyn, but the, the rock person, the uh, what's her name? Rock talk is played by uh, a 10 year old girl. So Lots of really cool stuff going on in this series. Uh, I'm super stoked. Uh, I've got a 12-year-old at home. This may even be a little young for her because we're already watching Lower Decks together. But I still think it's going to be a lot of fun for, uh, you know, kids, especially in the kind of like maybe 3 to to 12-year-old range. Well, and us included. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, the, you the know, big no kids. question. And that's the thing is, like, I, I, I hope that, a lot of Star Trek fans can enjoy their, you know, dark Section 31 mirror universe episodes and also then turn around and watch Prodigy and enjoy kind of both the bookends of, of Star Trek. You know, you, it tells the same stories in a lot of different ways. So this is going to be a very positive kind of light way. I, th- I think this is going to be my, like, go-to show when I'm just kind of like, I want to watch some Star Trek that doesn't stress me out at all, you know? <laughs> I, I I know exactly what you're saying, and uh, I just want to say that what, before we have to cut to our next break, we're going to come back. We're going to hear from see what uh, Charles thinks about it. But one of the things that I think is so awesome about Star Trek right now is that you hear all the hate on on social media, fine, whatever. But Star Trek has all these shows out that appeal 
to different people for different reasons. And that's what Star Trek is about, inclusion. And, you know, we let's start off at the beginning here. We have Strange New Worlds, which is about a captain at the height, at, in the prime of his captaincy. We have Star Trek Discovery, which is so far has told the story about how you become a Starfleet captain. And it's about a captain who's just beginning the journey of being a captain. Two completely different types of stories. Then, of course, we have Lower Decks, which is, which is a, a comedy. I, uh, I guess that's, that's the best way to put it. Now we have Prodigy, which is aimed at younger audiences. And then we have Star Trek Picard, which is about a captain at the end of his career. He's no longer in Starfleet. He's moved on. And so each one of these shows gives you a different perspective from a different part of somebody's life, which I think is great, personally. So, you know, maybe you can't relate to Captain Picard. Maybe, you, you, you know, you're years away from retirement. You can't relate to what it's like to retire. Whereas, you know, I'm approaching that, that stage, you know. Maybe you're younger and you're just getting into Star Trek. So something like Discovery might be more your thing. So I think Star Trek is great in that it has a lot of different things to offer a lot of different people at different stages. Each one of the shows centers on something different. I think that's great. So I'm really looking forward to it. Well, guys, we have to take another commercial break, believe it or not. Time is just flying because we're having so much fun. But that's okay. That's cool. We still have a lot of show left. And when we come back from our commercial break, we're going to hear what Charles thinks about the Star Trek Prodigy uh, trailer and his insights on the show. And we also have another trailer that dropped that we're going to talk about, and that's Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2. I'm really psyched about this one as well so listen run don't walk to the bathroom grab something to eat really quick grab something to drink and run right back here because you don't want to miss any of the excitement and please don't touch that dial we'll be right back after we hear this really awesome song from a really good friend of mine it's been a long road getting from there to here it's been a long but your time is finally here You can feel the change in your thoughts right now Nothing's in your way And they're not gonna hold you down no more No, they're not gonna hold you down Cause we've got faith, that's your call We wanna hear what you have to say We've got faith to believe In just talking today You've got faith in your fingers All you gotta do is Down now You can reach Us right now We got faith We got faith Faith that you call That's right. We have faith that you'll call. And that number is 646-668-2433. Give us a call right now. And I have my sweaty little hands. I have this copy of Star Trek Discovery Season 3 on DVD. I would love to send it to you. And I do have faith that you'll call 646-668-2433. And I'll get this in the mail to you. So, uh, Charles, what would you think about Prodigy? Ah. Uh. 
I love it. Oh, by the way, Jim, let's think about this. You do have a caller on the line. Yes. Yes, I do. I do yes, indeed. We could. Yeah. But I love the could... preview. I loved I loved what they did with the panel. The panel was fascinating to hear that street talk. They had so much energy with their characters. <clears throat> Even the character that actually doesn't say anything. But it's vote <laughs> it's all sound. But yet he can add so much interesting personality to that character. I can't wait to see what they do with the show. And it's like, okay, Cooper, oh, this is breaking canon. It's like, wait a minute. You know all the canon details about a Medusa in the Delta Quadrant post-Voyager. No, we don't know these characters. We don't know the history of these evolved species. We don't know how they change, so why are we walking in with a closed mind? You should walk in with no, an I open agree. mind that we may see the first episode. You are going to sit there and criticize it before you can even see the episode because you've got this strict box that you think you need to be in. You're not going to enjoy the new trek if you're stuck in that box. Exactly. You've got to get yourself to go because you're not going to be living in that box in the Alpha Quadrant forever. We're not going to be visiting the Alpha Quadrant. We're going to be visiting, I think it's the Delta Quadrant. Exactly. And there's any number of ways that a Tellarite could end up in the Delta Quadrant and not know about Starfleet and the Federation. Just because they're a Tellarite, yeah. and, and this is a child nonetheless, doesn't mean that you know, maybe their their parents got sucked into the wormhole and died. Or we don't know the backstory. Just because they're a Tellarite and Tellarites are members of the Federation doesn't mean that this Tellarite in the Delta Quadrant has any knowledge whatsoever of Starfleet or the Federation. It, it doesn't. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the show a chance. I'm gonna watch it. And you're right. Step out of your box and open up your eyes and explore and enjoy. But wait, guys, that's not all. We have more because they also dropped the Lower Decks full preview trailer, which previews on the 12th. We definitely got to talk about that. And in case you haven't heard it yet, here it is. Computer ramming speed. Wow, would you look at that? A view like this makes you realize it doesn't matter what deck you work on. We're all in it together. And they left us. They left us. How much oxygen do we have? A lot? A little? Ballpark? Good morning, Serena! Lieutenant Kayshawn, welcome to the Cerrito. Rapunky, when he joined the seven. Computer, ramming speed! This could be your year to get promoted. Is that what it takes? Yes! Okie dokie. Only thing missing is Boimler. Think of all the fun adventures he's going on. Oh, God. Get him out of there. Ah! 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 I know we may not look like 
a lot, but when it comes to a fight, us Starfleet officers are trained to throw down at... Let's go! Rod! And who among us hasn't been pooped out by an alien creature? It is not... Don't touch me! Oh, crap, it's the evil computer. Trez, I'm worried about you. My scans indicate you could lose a couple pounds. Excuse me? Our ship might not be the biggest... And we might do the missions nobody else wants. Come on, you've been in tougher spots than this. Thanks, Tom Paris. I am a little worried about the fumes in here, though. You know, since you're talking to a plate. <laughs> but we are still Starfleet. The Ferengi got everyone else. It's up to you guys. If only we had special powers. We do. Maybe not here. But here, our skin, our brain, brain. Our, it's our right. brain. brains are inside of our skin. There's a team waiting to take me to the brig, isn't there? Oh, you know me so well. Love you, Mom. Love you, too. Never disobey me again. I do what I want. Well, Chris, what do you think? Lower Deck Season 2, are you looking forward to it? <laughs> I am looking forward to seeing the dynamic of having that Tamarian speak in metaphors for a couple episodes. That's definitely going to be cool. Uh, and and just in general, Lord Dex, you know, I can't get enough of it. I can't believe there are only 10 episodes. If we're going to have an animated series, I hope to goodness we start expanding to at least 23 episodes a season. Yeah, 10 episodes is short. I agree. And they're only 20 minutes, so they fly right by. It's a shame. Yeah. How about you, Charles? What do you think? Lower Deck Season 2. Oh, can't wait. We know but we know with some of the teasers, Blammers has to be back. Yeah. And having our same four members back, they've already teased. I didn't recognize that person, but they had another comedian that's coming in. They already know they're going to have fun with some of the special guests. We got to start off with Riker. Ah, I can't wait for another season. Yeah, and and Eric, how about you? Lower decks season two. It looks like it might even be better. I mean, this trailer makes it look pretty good. There's a lot going on, a lot of different races, a lot of more awesome references for uh, longtime fans. So uh, I'm of course very excited. I think we're all very excited. It looks like we might get some more uh, interactions of Mariner with her mom, too, uh, which I think is pretty funny. I love their relationship, and I love how they bounce, uh, you know, off of each other in the series. So super excited. I think it's going to be great. And, and and let's not forget we have the talking Tom Paris plate. So I know. Tom, I, love it. All, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Like talking about releasing. Yeah. So he's going to oh, be on there. and. <laughs> The the talking evil computer was voiced by Jeffrey Combs, and so now he can add another Star Trek yeah. to his ever-growing uh, resume, so that's awesome. <laughs> I noticed there was a Cardassian in there. We saw Boimler as a Borg. Um, you know, there's just so much. I, I Yeah, we're going to have to talk, a lot to talk about on our first episode. So anyways, that wraps up our Prodigy and Lower Decks, and that means it's time for some Star Trek news. Eric, why don't you start us off? So, so Shatner uh, has been known to say some crazy things in his life, and I am graced with the ability to say to cover the Shatner says what 
article for this week. William Shatner says swimming with sharks was enlightening. That's right. He said, I've got a five-foot shark in my lap, and I'm petting it. William Shatner says, recounting one of his most terrifying experiences swimming with sharks for Shark Week 2021. The veteran actor co-hosted a special for the highly anticipated television event this year and went face-to-face with some of the terrifying creatures at the age of 90. Joined by adventurer and expedition unknown host Josh Gates, Shatner traveled to the Bahamas to swim with sharks and co-host expedition unknown Shark Trek. As an experienced scuba diver, Shatner explains how it was always his instinct to go away from sharks, not go right into a swarm of them. Shatner explained that the most dangerous part of the dive is getting into the water. Quote, because the sharks are liable to bite you in their excitement. You jump in, and there are these gray bodies all thrashing around, he recalls. Oh, man. So that happened. And then I went down to the anchor line clumsily, and I could see as far as about 40 or 50 feet. Despite being enlightened by his shark diving experience, the actor feels that that's enough life-threatening fun for now. So there you go. Shatner has added uh, shark diver to his resume. And I have to tell you, at 90 years old, that's pretty respectable. That is pretty darn cool. So enjoy that five-foot shark in your lap, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. We went to Universal a couple of years ago, or uh, uh, SeaWorld, and we were swimming around with the stingrays and stuff in their um, coral reef, and they had this mm-hmm. big piece of plexiglass. There's a pirate ship in the middle, and that's filled with sharks. And me and my daughter were just snorkeling along and came face-to-face with a tiny, tiny little eight-foot hammerhead, and I almost crapped myself. I mean, when I when I swam okay. up and I looked up and I saw a shark in my face, I thought I was going to die. I was like, I was panicking before I realized there's a piece of plexiglass between me and this shark. It was quite an experience, <laughs> but it was fun. I highly recommend. But, but it was fun. It was terrifying. But it, but it was fun. <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> my daughter was climbing on my back, pushing me in the water, trying to escape. I'm like, eh, uh, anyways, it was fun. Well, it's, right. like I always, oh. it's like I always say, you know, as long as it makes for a good story later, you can get through just about anything in life. That's true, and I'm full of stories. So my next story, by the way, all the stories that we're talking about in the news, you can read the articles in their entirety on our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. Alex Kurtzman's very optimistic about Star Trek Section 31 series. CBS announced the development of Star Trek series starring Michelle Yeoh over two years ago. The series was to expand on Yeoh's current role as a member of Starfleet Section 31, as seen on Star Trek Discovery. Now there is an update via a Producers Guild panel discussion with the executive producers of Discovery, focusing on Season 3. When asked about the status of the Section 31 show, Alex Kurtzman pointed to the pandemic for the delay, but also expressed optimism. Quote, we actually have a couple of Section 31 scripts. COVID frankly just changed the game for everybody and every show. We were on a very specific schedule that then got thrown completely into whack because of COVID. Even Discovery Season 4 started many months later than originally planned. Picard 2, everything got pushed. So we're actually on a great track with Section 31, and I'm very optimistic about it. 
Kurtzman also talked about how the third season of Discovery set up the Section 31 show. He said, obviously, it's no secret that we've been working on Michelle's spinoff show, the Section 31. So the big question was, how do we get into it in an organic way? How do we do it in a way that's paid off with the relationship arc that was set up from the beginning? It's no accident that in the Discovery pilot, Michael and Giorgio are walking through a desert. And in the final episode, they're walking through the snow in a visual echo of what we did in the premiere. There's a whole relationship arc that they've had from the beginning of the series. And also, Giorgio has really never confronted in an honest way the consequence of her choices as a Terran. And the closer she gets to the crew of Discovery, with whom she's very bonded and does not want to stay so, the more she is forced to reckon with those choices. So in knowing that we are going to bring Michelle Yell into Section 31, we needed to give her an appropriate goodbye and tie up a lot of the story threads that we set up from the premiere of Season 1. Michelle Yeoh has continued to discuss returning to the role of Giorgio in her own Star Trek series. Earlier this year, she talked up all the possibilities for the character and said the writers and producers of Section 31 have a lot more things in store for her. Such an amazing character. However, the actress continues to sign on to other projects. In addition to working with James Cameron on multiple Avatar movies, she is recently cast as one of the leads of the Netflix miniseries, The Witcher, Blood Origin. Now, I, for one, personally, I love Giorgio, and I really want to see what they do with her redemption arc in Section 31. And a lot of the people are complaining about Section 31 breaking canon, and I point out to them, that Section 31 is actually older than Starfleet and the Federation. Because on Star Trek Enterprise, we find out that Reed was actually a member of Section 31, and Star Trek Enterprise takes place before the Federation was ever formed. So Section 31 has been around for a very, very long time, and continues to be. So I'm interested in that myself. And Charles, what do you have for us? Okay, Star Trek Enterprise was going to have Jonathan Archer as a villain. For fans of Star Trek Enterprise, remember anonymous figure from the future thought to be the problem for Jonathan Archer. Judged by the fans as future guys, he debuted in the series premiere and was working with season one villain. The Sullivan in a way to alter the future. His only appearance in five episodes, but his influence on the story up through all four seasons. Played by veteran actor John Horan, the story was, uh, was about who he was going to be kept in the dark. Brandon Bregan, one of the architects of the Golden Age of Star Trek, always told people that his identity of the character was going to be decided on later, but that they didn't have any plans for him. That was a lie. In 2012, Breaker revealed on Twitter that Future Guy was in fact going to be the hero of Star Trek Enterprise himself. Jonathan Archer considered the nature of the time travel through is still alive some 500 years after the event of Enterprise, we could still get a cameo from 
Archer in the show like the Carter Discovery. Oh, that would be so awesome. Like, if they're not going to bring the Kelvin movies back around to to prime canon, if they can if they can resolve this whole like who is future guy question, that would be totally awesome for fans of Enterprise because that is a that is an unresolved item that just feels like it might have been explored in that missing season five that would have kind of really wrapped up the series. Yeah, I agree, and and I think. I think we're going to, yeah, we'll end it right there. So, um, because I think that's a great transact that, that just segues perfect into what we're going to talk about now. So Una McCormick has a new book out, a Star Trek discovery book called Wonderlands. And, and, uh, the book says Burnham has somehow arrived in a place far different from anything she could have imagined. More than 900 years out of time with Discovery nowhere to be found and with a mysterious and cataclysmic event known as The Burn has utterly decimated Starfleet and with it the United Federation of Planets. How then can she possibly exist day to day in this strange place? Do any remnants of Starfleet and the Federation possibly endure? With more questions than answer, Berman must nevertheless forge new friendships and new alliances if she hopes to survive this future long enough for the Discovery crew to find her. Wow, what a book. And I think with the whole future guy thing, it's a great segue because one of the things that they talk about in this book in great detail that um, didn't dawn on me all that much until I read the book, I said, ooh, interesting and i was waiting to talk with you guys about it was the fact how did aj get in here how did you get in here <laughs> where did you come from out out I'm telling you that I specific- magic i specifically put him out i told you guys before the show i put him out how did you get in here come on he just knows he, can, he knows how to do out. it he does he's like i'm telling you he's houdini out 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 one of the things that um that makes the burn so interesting is that it's not, it wasn't just the, um, the lithium that caused the burn that caused the Federation to collapse, but it was the temporal wars. And I hadn't thought about that because that's a part of Star Trek that we never really, we don't really get to see it. We see an episode of Enterprise where Archer gets brought into the future, and we see Enterprise J, um, and that there's this huge future war going on. But we don't really, other than that one episode, we don't really see it. So the fact that they were going to make Jonathan Archer future guy, and that he was going to be trying to rewrite his own past to change the future, leads me to think that maybe... Maybe Jonathan Archer found out about control and the end of all sentient life, and he was trying to change that so that would never happen, kind of like Michael Burnham's mother did with the Red Angel. And I thought that was an interesting twist. And also, in the book, they mention the fact that the Federation was so strung out from trying to deal with the after effects of the temporal war that when the dilithium exploded from Sukal, that was just the final straw 
it wasn't that one event alone that caused the Federation to crumble. It was that event coupled with the effects of the Temporal War. So there's a lot here to talk about guys, that it's all true. come from this book. <laughs> yeah, it's and you know, you're definitely not wrong, Jim, but I think one of the other things that they cover in the book, which I think is an important part of this equation, is not that uh, the the Federation was not completely innocent in its own downfall. One of the things that the book explores is that they overexpanded. Uh, even before the Temporal Wars, they overexpanded, and they were not able to pay as good of attention to the, to the far-flung worlds as they were the core worlds. And it's interesting because I really feel like that is a um, – this is a transition that the Star Trek franchise is kind of making away from what I'll say is the old way. And the old way being um, the Federation almost as the benevolent conquistador, like come in, mm-hmm. adopt our ways, uh, as, you know, assimilate our cultures, and you will have all of these benefits that uh, will be bestowed upon you. And now it's more like, uh, no, you know what? They did that enough, and it worked for a while, but eventually every organization gets too big. And, um, you know, whether it's corruption or whether it's lack of resources or whatever, eventually when an organization gets too big, it's going to start having problems existing in the same way that it has existed so far. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that because, yes, there were all these kind of like technological things that happened, and and doesn't the book explore that in a great way? It shows you the fragility of the Federation and how without its technology, it didn't have this ability to, like, go around and do all its benevolent things, right? So what exactly. do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. So very interesting. I, I think Colonel McCormick did a great job with this book. Go, Charles. Okay. The thing is, one of the things we're saying is we talk about the Federation being too big. We go all the way back to Picard, last best hope. And we talk about the fractions of how some of the outlier, outlying, outlying planets feel disconnected because they don't want to be involved with the Romulan problem. Mm-hmm. So we go all the way back to that point where we've seen small fractures start. Yeah. And the Picard yeah, book does a great job of exploring that, right, Charles? Like, we get that flushed out in yeah. the Picard books. And I love how that feeds into this future stuff then. Because it is. It's part of a continuum. Exactly. It is. It really is. So listen, believe it or not, Uh, That little filler there, it's time for our final commercial break of the evening. We have a lot to unwrap and discuss about the Una McCormick book, Star Trek Discovery Wonderlands. There's a lot there, um, and we're going to dive right into all of it. So don't touch the dial. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more Trek talking and Una McCormick's book, Star Trek Discovery Wonderlands. Don't touch that dial. Where is it? There it is. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Freakopolis Geekery, the premier upstate New York comics and game shop. Centrally located between Saratoga Glens Falls, Ticonderoga, and Rutland, Vermont, the Geekery is a haven for pop culture and science fiction fans. 
For Star Trek fans, the Geekery features board games like Ascendancy, as well as awesome gaming titles like Star Trek Adventures RPG from Modifius, Star Trek Away Team's Hero Clicks, and of course, Star Trek Attack Wing ship-to-ship tactical combat for the tabletop. The Geekery hosts casual play sessions, learn-to-play sessions, and sanctioned organized play tournaments with limited edition prize support. You'll also find comics and trade paperbacks at Freakopolis, including Star Trek titles from IDW. Lots of issues are in stock, and special orders are no problem. Whether you visit in person by shuttlecraft or beam in online to Freakopolis.com, you'll find yourself right at home at the Freakopolis Geekery. And we're back. And Charles, why don't you continue continue what you were saying about Wonderland? Well, as I said, we we kind of see a little bit of that fracture. Charles in Admiral Bacard's time period. And I think we realize that there is a small fracture starting. Now, this book is rather interesting in how it's set up. We haven't really talked about that yet. But if you think of season three of, of Discovery, you get episode one with Burnham and Book. Then the second episode, you get an issue with Discovery. And at the end of end of book end of the second episode is where they find Discovery. And so we fit right in between there. We we leave off after the first episode with um, Michael and Book, and the book actually ends with them figuring out where Discovery is. Discovery is finally landed. <clears throat> so we talked a little. We got a little bit of scene in there of seeing Michael through the year, and this book that year in there. We learn a lot about the base. <coughs> we learn a lot, learn a lot about Sawhill. Yeah, yeah, he's we great. In this getting, we start off with just getting an introduction of who he is. Sahil, yeah. Well, in the yeah. book, we get to really learn more about who he is and what's going on with him, what's going on with his star base. And we learn a lot about the, oh, I can't think of the term, the, the guys that do all the moving of stuff around. Let's look here. The couriers. 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 We learn a lot about the couriers. And the couriers have a very interesting history themselves. I would love to see Discovery. <coughs> Spend a little time with the couriers. And we get an idea of who some of these couriers are. But it's interesting to sit there and, okay, what was life? What was life after the Federation? All these united planets. And all of a sudden, all that's gone. And you wonder, well, how come they didn't travel to different planets? Like, 
when you don't have warp speed, when you've got impulse power, you can't go very far with impulse power. Unless you've got the ability of breaking travel through some kind of modified way of using warp speed. Or dealing with a generation ship. And getting on a generation ship that's going to be out there for many generations. And we get a little, we get a little low issue with that. We do. You want to talk about the, the experiment, the Federation experiment that we learn about that is key in this book? Yeah, I was going to, yeah, I was going to bring that up. A, a lot of um, ahead, a lot yeah, of people. A little bit of a spoiler, but go ahead. Yeah, they, people were saying a lot of people thought that those were abandoned by the Borg because the Borg used those to fly around in the Delta Quadrant. But in the book, we find out that it was actually the Federation trying to figure out a way to travel without warp, which I thought was great. And I also liked the way. The one thing that I really liked about this book was the, um, what did they call them? The, um, um, the cosplayers. Or what, no, that's not what they called them. Oh, what were yes, they called? The, uh, the yeah, the people, the, well, the true, well, he called them true believers. But yeah, believers. The, the people who basically will have gone and done the research on the Federation and they make their own outfits. They make their own accoutrement. They go along with them. And there's this really, really cool part of the book where um, Michael has kind of been like, I think one of the best things that this book does on the, on the whole is that it kind of shows you how Michael is broken down by the fact that she feels all alone. And you don't really get a whole lot of that in the Discovery show because they just don't give it enough time to be able to explore that. But in this book, um, they're able to do that, and uh, and um, oh shoot, where was I going with that? What were we talking about there, guys? Sorry, I lost my train. The, of the, the people of the, the oh, yeah, people, oh, yeah. and, those and, weird so people that dress up right. in Star Trek uniforms. And so there's this great part of the book where she finds this one guy who's dressed up as a Vulcan, and he has his little Idic insignia that he's put together, and. You know, it's like the proportions are pretty good, but maybe they're just a little bit off. And she asks herself this question, does it matter if it's not real? From her perspective, that that Vulcan, that part of Vulcan, you know, is gone uh, and it's in the past and she's feeling lonely and, and despondent about that. And yet here are these people who are kind of carrying this like little message of hope through to the future with this little idiot thing. And she's, and I think she kind of decides that it doesn't matter that it's not, quote, real, you know, from her time period, from when it would have been made. What matters is that the ideal is here and that even if the proportions are a little off or it's not made in the official way, the people are, are walking the walk. And I love that idea. I love that idea that it's not about the dogma. It's all about whether you walk the walk or not. And that is very kind of right now Star Trek to me versus – um, versus past Star Trek, honestly. It's a different way of looking at it, and I love that. It's very 21st century. You know, you know what I liked about it, Eric, as I was reading it? I liked the fact that, that, the, that she uses Star Trek cosplayers 
as a way to let Michael Burnham know that the ideals of the Federation still exist, but also as a mirror for people like us that dress up today for a future that's not there in hopes that those ideals will make it into the future. And I like that, that reflection of art imitating life, imitating art, imitating life. I thought that was, that was great. Totally. And she also pays other fan service along the way. I mean, remember one of the ships she brings in the USS Yelchin. I mean, when I read that, that, I was like, Oh, so cool. Right. Cause we lost Anton Yelchin when he was still so young and we won't get to see him in Star Trek Kelvin timeline movies uh, again. Um, And so just, just a great way to, you know, pay homage to him. Um, but the, the other thing that she that I want to talk about a little bit is that it has to cut do with what we were just talking about. But remember when she goes and she starts peeling this a little bit of a spoiler, we're not going to give away everything, but she starts and she starts collecting um, uh, plaques from various like old defunct uh, Starfleet vessels. And she kind of goes through this thought process where she feels like she's defiling a holy relic, right? <laughs> She has such yep. reverence for Starfleet and such reverence for these ships that are gone and have been gone for 120 years or however long it's been since the burn that she's like hesitant to peel these things off the bulkheads. And of course, once she does, she sells it for a bunch of money. But I love that, that idea that, um, that thing that we prescri- as humans and, you know, maybe not Vulcans, but certainly as humans, we prescribe meaning to inanimate objects that maybe maybe those inanimate objects don't need the meaning or maybe the meaning becomes unmeaningful at some point. This is why I love this book so much because it asks all these questions. It doesn't, it doesn't tell you, I mean, it tells you what's going on, but it also asks all these great questions, which I think is what Star Trek's at its best. It asks questions. Well, I think for me, I think Una McCormick, uh, the conversations that book and, and uh, Burnham have, to me, they feel like they're right out of an episode. They felt very natural and very in character. Like, like I, if I, I could see them having this conversation exactly this way and watching their relationship develop and to fill in, like Charles said, that year that happens between the first episode and the third episode. Um, it was phenomenal. And, and seeing Book try to relate to the fact that where Burnham's from, there's no money. And how do you survive without money? And trying to explain economy, how that works, to Michael, who doesn't understand it. I thought that, that, that was great. But we can't talk about this book without talking about the queen. Come on. No one's mentioned the queen. <laughs> it's true. Go ahead, Charles. Yeah. Oh, the it was it was funny to sit there and listen to the book in audio. And you have a scene here and the and the reader suddenly said, Meow 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 Where they are where they have to make sure they get the right emphasis on the meow of grudge. Because grudge is such a central character. And you get sometimes the empathy of Grudge. Mm-hmm. Grudge cares about these two. And she shows it. If something's wrong, 
need let's know. There's a point in the book that it's like, okay, I don't know if you're worried or you're hungry. <laughs> I'll go ahead and feed you. <clears throat> and Grudge seemed a little to be a little more content, so it's like, yeah, but you're not exactly positive how she feels. And Grudge has some occasions where things happen, the ship gets bumped around, and she's not happy. Mm-mm. No. And, you know, and, uh, and I think that this book, Grudge, Charles, I book more is, than, oh, go ahead. One of them is, his book gets hit in the nose at one point. Yeah, and Grudge won't get Grudge won't get near him. He <laughs> looks at him and runs under the bed. It's like, oh, okay, that's that's a cat with some attitude. That's and AJ. You, <laughs> and so, yeah, and Charles, you mentioned you know the empathy of Grudge, and I think that one of the other cool things that this book does is that we don't really. I mean, we kind of find out later in season three about Book and and kind of like his his powers for lack of a better term or his, yeah. his like racial uh, uh, things that he could do with empathy and that sort of thing. But this book actually, if you think about it, book has to have some kind of crazy empathy because he's in this game where it's all about making money. It's not about necessarily helping out people. And yet what does he do? He does things like he runs, uh, you know, space larva uh, to different places to keep them safe and, you know, that kind of stuff. And so, so book is like a pirate with a heart of gold who teaches uh, Burnham all about the future. And honestly, like without him, Burnham, I mean, she would have eventually found her way, but I have to tell you that not even being able to understand the concept of a money-based economy would have really done her in a lot quicker than it, you know, if Book had not helped her out. Yeah. Well, I, I found it when, uh, fascinating, the fact that there was another um, Starfleet base that was being operated by Starfleet with Starfleet officers. Uh, and I'm like, whoa, what, what's this all about? And I thought that was really cool how Burnham um, – um, I don't want to use the word, but she she uh, gets she makes things right for them. Let me put it that way. She well, gets the, their she the honors them. A, yeah, the book does a full circle because it actually starts. Um, I can't remember what the exact words are, but it's something like many years ago, and they kind of give you this one scene that's at a starbase before the burn, and some stuff, or maybe right after the burn, and so, yeah, that's what it was. It's after the burn. Some stuff starts going down, and then that scene just sort of stops, and then they start into the book. And it isn't until the very end of the book that the author circles back to that same starbase and lets you know what the fate of that starbase is. And that is just so cool, because it's not always known as a Starfleet starbase along the way. And there's some pretty cool things along the way that are explored that are kind of like, um, what if there was a Starfleet that was kind of like, more of a totalitarian Starfleet where it all looked really good and looked like everybody was helping each other out. But really there's one person in charge who only does what she wants for her own good. Love that exploration of those kind of like dark Starfleet ideals. It's also interesting the fact that we get a little bit of an interesting backstory 
because we get to listen to Sahil's grandmother. Yeah. Her log during the burn, before, during, and after the burn. And her logs are fascinating because it kind of tied the story together of what was happening. How was how was this affecting? Mm-hmm. But another one that's been here that took me a moment to realize why she did such a good job with it. If we had one Discovery crew member that we got a lot of emphasis on, and that was Tilly. And I realized, oh, wait a minute, Orm, or Una did to the stars. Tilly book. So she had a great impression of Tilly already that she continued on in this book. And even though Tilly wasn't there, it was showing Michael still having that connection with Tilly. And Tilly's everything needs to be clean, everything needs to be orderly. But yet Tilly's not there, but yet Tilly's there in spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does that with Michael in this book, too. I mean, what she did in the Tilly book with Tilly, in terms of exploring her character really, really deeply and finding out what makes her tick, I feel like she does that with Michael Burnham in this book. And it just makes Michael I, – I think people don't kind of realize what a complex character Michael is. And they may just watch Discovery and sort of get a surface level view or understanding of – you know, the mutineer or the, the rebel or whatever you want to brand her as. I feel like this book does a really good job of just taking the time to break her all the way down and build her back up, and that helps you understand who yeah. she is as a person. Uh, Chris, did you read this book that we're yet, Chris, or did you want to add anything? Uh, I haven't, but, um, you know, based upon the themes that you're talking about, it's really, really interesting to – I think it was Eric who mentioned now the trend and theme for the Federation is that it could – you know, it's, it's maybe not so benevolent sometimes. And, you know, like in Picard, um, now now we can explore the theme of bad actors corrupting uh, the Federation in some ways. And, you know, are we going to see a totalitarian Starfleet or a totalitarian Federation? Hopefully. Um, that would be a really cool theme to explore. I mean, not hopefully because I want it, but hopefully because, you know, we'd love to see <laughs> we would love to see um, see what type of effect that would have on the characters of our favorite uh, shows and whatnot. But, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's really dope. I need to read this book. Oh, goodness gracious. It's a good one. And Una yeah. is one of our favorite authors. I mean, we've read a lot of Star Trek books lately, and Una just, her character explorations, I think, are top-notch. Yeah, mm-hmm. this, yeah. this yeah. book was such an easy read, too. It was. Yeah, and I actually the autobiography of Janeway, which yes. was fabulous, too. And I have to tell you, this is the only Star Trek book that I literally finished, and then I turned back to page one, and I started reading it right over again. Because I was disappointed I was finished, and I was like, wait a second, what happened at the beginning of this book again? And I went back, and it was just a great way to experience it, yeah. <laughs> well, you know you know what? The one, the one thing that's missing from all of this is what happened to the Klingons and the Romulans. Mm-hmm. 
They are strangely absent from everything. I mean, yeah, the 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 burn and the the temporal wars had to affect their. Well, we know what happens to the Romulans from Picard, and we know that they took over Vulcan, and now it's Navarre. But but what happened to them? We well, don't know. I, mean, I think we. I think and Jim, I think that's we take for granted how long it's been. Because remember that the Temporal Wars happened in the 26th century, which was only, I mean, from Archer, it was a few more hundred years. But from, from TNG, it's, you know, it's, it's only a couple of hundred years from TNG's time. And that's six centuries before Michael Burnham's time. So the Temporal Wars were like a long time ago. So there's definitely a ton of fallout there that happened over a very long period of time. And it would not surprise me if uh, some races, you know, maybe they're just not showing up because they just simply can't travel from their home worlds without dilithium and that sort of stuff. Maybe that's why. Well, we I mean, because uh, yeah. the Klingons have time crystals. Well, they have time crystals, but they don't, I mean, the only people who I can imagine would have any sort of way to travel faster than light reliably and it's only because we don't totally understand their technology is the Romulans, right? Because there's that whole idea of them having a singularly powered ship, although I'm of the opinion that that still takes dilithium to focus the reaction. But I, I, I digress. No, you're right. You're right. I just, I just want to I, – I mean, I'm just curious as to what happened to the rest of everything. Yeah. Uh, We're seeing this, really you know, far away. They're just really far, they're just really away. far away. And there just happens to not be any in the world that we – I mean, think about what we've seen in the 32nd century so far. We've seen, like, mercantiles. We've seen shady underground, like, back streets of planets. Um, we haven't been to, like – well, I guess we went to Earth, but that didn't really count. But we haven't been to, like, any uh, of the major – Go ahead. I'm going to throw a correction with you two. We have seen the Romulans. You guys forget the Romulans share Vulcan. Oh, right, right. Wow. Yeah, Navarre. Right, sure. they, right. They, they took over. On, yeah. they, live on the Rom, they live on the Vulcan homeworld now. No, you're right. You're totally right. Yeah. Right, we, we, right. We know that, but we don't. But, yeah, we, that we know. But, we don't know much detail about them, but we know where they're at. Right. We so we kind of know where their people ended up after their planet blew up, right? They ended up joining up with the Vulcans, and we, we at least kind of have some idea of their future. But with that, Jim's favorite, the Klingons, we know nothing. And yeah. and let's not forget that book does mention the Gorn. Book he says that Michael. Will, he does. Yeah. He does. He uh, says the Gorn destroy yeah. two light years of subspace with their temporal experimenter. Yep. Something along those lines. So, so we know the Gorn are still hissing around somewhere out there because Book knows who they are, so they're still there. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm curious. I want to know about the world that Star Trek is now in. I'm, I'm, I'm like a sponge soaking up information. I want to know more. You know, yeah, and and I think the thing that interests me the most, Jim, is I not only do I want to know more because I kind of feel like where they're going with it is that like the 32nd century is not unlike the 21st century, and I think that's kind of the point that they're sort of making here in terms of its focus on um, personal gain, you know, money. Uh, you 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 
are out of luck if you do a nice thing for somebody else, um, that sort of thing. I'm really interested in where they're taking Starfleet because I don't think that they can take it back to uh, Utopia, right? Uh, I think our our utopian vision has is permanently changed for Starfleet, mm-hmm. and uh, and that is very very interesting to me because how do you bring through those kind of like Gene Roddenberry ideals everybody goes back to right? How do you bring those through in a future where you don't have the infinite supply of resources and you don't have mm-hmm. the kind of honestly like Eurocentric idea of conquering other worlds or bringing other worlds under your wing and protecting them and that sort of stuff. Very, very interesting. Well, maybe, maybe we're going to see in discovery season four, what, what I was hoping we would see in enterprise and that's the birth of the Federation. Maybe we're going to see it coming back. Like we never got to see see it formed, but maybe we'll get to see it rebuilding. We'll get to see Navarre come back and maybe, um, uh, uh, Trill, come back. You know, we'll have to. But listen, a better, a better version of Andromeda. Oh yeah, we 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 are out of time, believe it or oh, not. Man. So, I, yeah, hard to believe. Uh, but I just want to say thank you to Chris for for calling in and hanging out with us and chatting tonight, Chris. I hey, thank and you, I'll tell you what, Thank um, you and Eric. I think since you called, I think I'm going to announce you the winner of our Star Trek Discovery. Season three DVD giveaway. Oh, awesome! Thank you so much. Yeah, so uh, get your address. Uh, go to our Facebook page and uh, message me your address, or or um, get it to uh, Charles, and Charles can get it to me, and um, I'll drop a copy of Star Trek Discovery season three in the mail for you for calling in. So that's pretty cool. So thanks for calling. Also, I guys can't go away without saying thank you to Charles for. Hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you so much, Charles. Oh, thank you. I love talking to novels, too. It was fun. Meow, 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 meow. Meow, meow, meow. In the book, they spell yeah, it so many cool ways, too. <laughs> they do. They, they, where's AJ when I actually oh. want him here? <laughs> and... Uh, of course, thank you so, so much to Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you, Eric. Uh, you bet. I had a blast, guys. Thank you so much. And thank you to each and every one of you guys, whether you're Trekkies or Trekkers, wherever you're listening from. We really appreciate it. We could not do the show without you guys. Make sure you head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. Give us a like, give us a follow, and tell us where you're listening from. And maybe you'll have your name right off on a future show and our fan shout-outs. I also want to let you guys know that we currently um, have uh, a copy of, well, yeah, one left, of Star Trek Discovery Season 3. So if you're listening to this not live on any one of the other various podcast platforms, you definitely want to call next Thursday. Set, Set a little reminder for yourself. And you want to be with us live next Thursday so you can win a copy of Star Trek Discovery Season 3 just like Chris did. And it's very simple. You just call 646-668-2433 and say, yo, Uncle Jim, I want my Star Trek Discovery, and I'll drop it in the mail and send it to you. It's that simple. And next week we're going to be talking about Star Trek Generations. We'll see what you guys thought about it, what the fans rated it, what I thought about it, what Charles thought about it, what Eric thought about it, and see how our thoughts line up with yours. 
So that wraps up our show. Another wonderful show. Come and gone. But we'll be back next week. Same bat time. Same bat channel. And hopefully we'll get our UK numbers back up and we can get a little war going on between the UK and Canada. See if UK can knock Canada out of the number one spot. What do you think, Eric? Let's go UK. Let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) And um, I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. Just saying, everybody, please be safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night, y'all. Live long and prosper. Good night. All right, then. Everybody ready? Yes, Captain. Let's fly. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.